Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hello there, and welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This will be for Judges, chapter 8. And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou callest not when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites? And they did chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. What was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over he and the three hundred men that were with him, faint yet pursuing them. And he said unto the men of Succoth, Give, I pray you, loaves of bread unto the people that follow me, for they be faint, and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zalmunna, king of, kings of Midian. And the princes of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in thine hand, that we should give bread into thine army? And Gideon said, Therefore, when the Lord hath delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into mine hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And he went up thence to Peniel, Penuel, and spake unto them likewise. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered him. And he spake also unto the men of Penuel, saying, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmunna were in Karkor, and their hosts with them, about fifteen thousand men, all that were left of the, all the hosts of the children of the east. For there fell an hundred and twenty thousand men that drew sword. And Gideon went up by the way of them that dwelt in tents on the east of Noba and Gagaba, and smote the host, for the host was secure. And when Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued after them and took the kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and discomfited all the host. And Gideon, the, hunt, the son of Joash, returned from battle before the sun was up, and caught a young man of the men of Succoth, and inquired of him, and he described unto him the princes of Succoth, and the elders thereof, even threescore and seventeen men. And he came unto the men of Succoth, and said, Behold, Zeba and Zilmunna, with whom ye did upbraid me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zilmunna now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thy men that are weary? While Ephraim occupied the waters and the fords of the Jordan, Gideon himself had crossed the river at the spot where Jacob of old had entered Canaan on his return from Padan Aram, faint yet pursuing, the band reached Succoth, but its princes refused even the most useful provisions to Gideon's men. The people of the neighboring Penuel acted in the same heartfelt or heartless manner, no doubt from under, from utter lack of interest in the cause of God, from cowardice, and above all, from scorn for the small band of three hundred with which Gideon had gone in pursuit of the flower of Midian's army. They had calculated the result by the outward means employed, but were destined destined soon to feel the consequences of their folly. Making a detour eastwards through the wilderness, Gideon advanced on the rear of Midian and fell unexpectedly upon the camp at Karkor, which was held by 15,000 men, under the command of Zeba and Zalmunna, sacrifice and protection refused. The, the surprise ended in defeat and flight, the two Midianite leaders being made prisoners and taken across Jordan. On his way, Gideon taught the men of Succoth by punishing their rulers, 77 in number, 
probably consisting of either seven or else five princes, and of seventy or else seventy-two elders, while in the case of Penuel, which seems to have offered armed resistance to the destruction of its citadel, the men of the city were actually slain. And that was by Edersheim. Verse 16, And he took the elders of the city, and thorns of the wilderness, and briars with them. He taught the men of Succoth. As they pursued the remnants of the Midianite army, Gideon's valiant little band of three hundred grew faint from hunger and sought food from the people of Succoth, a town of Gad, Gilead, which lay on the east side of the, of the Jordan not far from Jericho. The Succothites refused to give Gideon's men the food they needed because they had not yet actually conquered the Midianite kings. The people of Penuel, the place where Jacob had stopped many years before and rested with God's messenger, wrestled with God's messenger, also refused aid. Perhaps they were afraid that Gideon would fail to capture and subdue the fleeing kings and that later the Midianites would return and punish them for aiding Gideon. Whatever the reason, these events illustrate the tragic fragmentation of apostate Israel. Since the Midianites lived in the deserts of Arabia, Gad and the other tribes east of the Jordan were most vulnerable to their marauding raids. Yet instead of joining Gideon in his attempt to eliminate the threat once and for all, these Gadites flatly refused to get involved. Gideon was furious and promised that once he finished with the Midianites, he would return to deal with these traitors. In the case of Succoth, Gideon promised to return and tear the Hebrew literally means thresh, their flesh with briars and thorns. Yet when Gideon did return, the record says he taught them with briars and thorns. Many of the ancient manuscripts show this change to be a scribal error. Instead of he taught, uh, another version reads, he tore, and this is not only agreeable to what Gideon had threatened, but is supported by the Vulgate, Septuagint, and, and Arabic. The Hebrew text might have been easily corrupted in this place by the change of Shin into Ain, letters very similar to each other. That was by Clark. This punishment was probably a figurative term and not necessarily an actual whipping with thorns, with thorn branches. What this punishment consisted in, I cannot say. It must mean a severe punishment, as if he had said, I will thresh your flesh with briars and thorns, as corn is threshed out with threshing instruments, or ye shall be trodden down under the feet of my victorious army, as the corn is trodden out with the feet of the ox. Again, that was by Clark. The Institute Manual says such harsh punishment was justified because in their refusal to help Gideon's army, Succoth and Penuel threatened the whole nation of Israel. Their act was thus equivalent to high treason. Verse 17, And he beat down the tower of Penuel and slew the men of the city. Then said he unto Zeba and Zelmunna, What manner of men were they whom ye slew at Tabor? And they answered, As thou art, so were they. Each one resembled one children of a king. And he said, They were my brethren, even the sons of my mother, as the Lord liveth. If ye have saved them alive, I would not slay you. And he said unto Jether his firstborn, Up and slay them. But the youth drew not his sword, for he feared, because he was yet a youth. Then Zeba and Zalmunna said, Rise thou and fall upon us, for as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and slew Zeba and Zalmunna, and took away the ornaments that were on their camels' necks. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you, the Lord shall rule over you. These verses give proof of Gideon's great faith and righteousness. The people sought to make him king because of the great of his greatness and victory. Had he consented, Gideon would have been king, would have been lending support to the idea that through his own power he had won the battle. By refusing their request, Gideon reminded them where the real source of their victory lay and whom they should view as their king. 
And that was the institute manual. Verse 24, And Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you that you should give me every man the carings the earrings of his prey, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a garment and did cast them every man the earrings of his prey. And the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was a thousand and seven hundred shekels of gold. For shekels implied but not expressed here, beside ornaments or crescents and pendants and collars and purple raiment that was on the kings of Midian and beside the chains that were about their camels' necks. And Gideon made an ephod, probably here a medallion of gold and to adorn the priest's ephod, later it was at times revered thereof, and put it in his city, even in Orpha, in Ophrah, and all Israel went thither, a whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. An unfortunate anticlimactic development arose due to Gideon's mistaken zeal in making a new ephod part of the garment of the chief priest in Israel, out of some of the precious things gathered from the smitten soldiers of the enemy. When the text says Israelites went a-whoring after it, the idiom means they looked upon it as if it were an idol, and idol worship is often condemned in these terms as infidelity to God. That was by Rasmussen. Gideon's intention was to use the spoils of war to make a fitting memorial honoring God's part in the victory, but the Israelites were quick to turn to false gods and viewed the ephod as though it was an idol. That was out of the manual. Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted up their heads no more, and the country was in quietness forty years in the days of Gideon. And Jerubel, the son of Joash, that's Gideon, went and dwelt in his own house. And Gideon had threescore and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. And the con- and his concubine that was w- that was in Shechem, she also bare him a son whose name he called Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the sepulchre of Joash, his father, in Ophrah, in the- of the Abba Ezrites. And it came to pass, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel turned again and went a-whoring after Balaam and made Baal beareth their God. And the children of Israel remembered not the Lord their God, who had delivered them out of the hands of all their enemies on every side. Neither showed they kindness to the house of Jerubbaal, namely Gideon, according to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. Boy, how fickle they are, huh? Anyway, that's the end of the chapter. I hope we're not that bad. Maybe we are. See you next time. Bye.